Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I'd like to invite you to stay tuned. The Flatline is a radio show designed to remind you of biblical truths and introduce you to an in-depth way of studying and learning God's Word. It's all done with no manipulation, no solicitation, just 30 minutes of education, some motivation, some inspiration. That's my job. Verify and identify the plan of God for you, and hopefully your job will be to orient and adjust to the plan. The flat line is your main line of resistance in your soul, your forward line of troops. The objective is for you to learn at least 10 unique problem-solving devices found in the Word of God. When you learn them and use them in application in your life, then you can stop the outside sources of adversity from ever becoming the inside source of stress. As we say so many times, adversity is, of course, inevitable. But stress is optional. And so adversity is what circumstances do to us, and stress is what we do to ourselves. So thank you for listening today. All the way from California to New York, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of our show, and thank you for your prayer support as we press on with a flat line going into 12 years now of broadcasting across this country. This morning I want to look at 2 Corinthians 5.17 talking about a new life. Here's what it says. Paul wrote it this way. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. The question is, what exactly does this mean? He is a new creation. What it means is that you are a new racial species called a Christian That's the new creation, a new racial species. So let's get some principles on it so you can remember it. One, before Jesus Christ came into your life, you were simply a body and a soul controlled or manipulated, either way, by your genetically inherited old sin nature. A lot of people don't realize they have an old sin nature, but we do. We got that old sin nature from Adam, as the Bible says in Romans 5:12. Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we all have Adam's genetically formed old sin nature in our bodies. And as a result of that, we are spiritually dead. We're born when the uh, when, when the Father gives soul life to human life, and then once Adam's original sin is imputed to that, we're, we're born spiritually dead but physically alive, and thus the need for us to be born again. You see, at birth, point two, God imputed soul life to biological life. Soul life, that's your mentality, that's your ability to think and logic and reason and comprehend. God gave you volition, a decider or a chooser inside of you. Uh, God designed in your soul a conscience, and this is what's designed to protect you. As you store in your conscience um, norms and standards from the Bible, 
and norms and standards that relate to freedom and privacy and understanding certain laws that must be in function for civilization to work, your soul stores those things in your conscience, and they are a reminder that you are about to violate the laws of God when you step over the line. Your soul will warn you through your conscience. And biological life, well, we all wish we were something that we're not. Some wish we were thinner. Some wish we were heavier. Some wish we were shorter. Some wish we were taller. But whatever God pre-designs in eternity past, that's what we are. And there's no way to get around that. Point three, human life also received the imputation of Adam's original sin. Thus, we are born spiritually dead and spiritually separated from God. And point four, how is that resolved? How do we become a new creation? That's the question. The answer is in John 3, 1 through 18, a rather lengthy passage, but I think it's worth looking at. It says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who was a ruler of the Jews. This was a man of prominence. This was not a, uh, a street-walking Jew. This was a man, a very intellectual, very prominent individual, a Pharisee. And he snuck over to see Jesus at night, verse 2 said. And he called him rabbi or teacher. He said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man could do the miracles you do except God be with him. In verse 3 of John chapter 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again. Uh-oh, born again. That's the question. How do I get born again? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, well, Verse 4, how could a man be born when he's old? Could he possibly go back the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus said, Verily I'm saying unto you, except a man be born of water, that's the physical birth, and of the spirit, that's the spiritual birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6, for that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and you hear the sound of the wind, but you cannot tell where it's coming from and where it's going. And so it's that way with everyone that's born of God. 9 of chapter 3 of John, Nicodemus answered and said, How could these things be? Listen to what Jesus said to him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you a master of Israel, the law, a Pharisee, and you don't know these things? Truly, truly, verse 11, I say unto you, we speak that we do know, and we testify that we have seen, and you would not receive our witness. Verse 12, if I had told you earthly things and you believe not, how would you believe it if I tell you of heavenly things? In verse 13, And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did you hear? Whoever believes in him. 
Pistuo is the Greek word from the word faith or pistis. Pistuo is the verb. What does it take to be saved? To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 16, the verse we all know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him, there it is again, whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God, verse 17, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And verse 18, he that believeth on him, there it is again, what do I have to do to be born again? Believe in him, believe on him. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's possible that you may know someone who's already walking around a dead person, spiritually dead, because they have rejected the good news or the forgiveness that God offers through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, his anointed Son, on the cross. When people reject that redemptive work and refuse to believe that Jesus is the Christ, then the justice of God has no alternative but to condemn them to the lake of fire. So the spiritual birth is essential. The spiritual birth is what causes you to be a new racial species. It means you now have a body. It means you now have a soul. And you now have a spirit. Now there's three of you in there. Before you accepted Christ, you had a body and a soul. And that body had that genetically formed sin nature. Nobody sat you down and taught you how to lie. Nobody sat you down and taught you how to be jealous. Nobody sat you down and taught you how to covet or lust. It's inherent in the body from Adam's original sin. Now you have a conflict. You have a soul and you have a spirit. And what the old sin nature would like to do is to continue to control you. And that's exactly what Satan would like for it to go on too. But now you have a choice. You have a choice. You can decide who controls your life in the future. In John 4.24, God is a spirit, the Bible says. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's why man's effort to appease the justice of God cannot and will not ever work. It won't ever work. You can't buy God off with good works. You know, organized religion has its own way of trying to obtain forgiveness, and that is by appealing to the fairness of God. You know, a person may say, well, I've been good, I've tithed, I've kept the law, I'm, I'm self-righteous and self-justification. They go hand in hand. There's really nothing worse than a self-righteous religious person who thinks that he has appeased God by doing something. The Bible tells you there are none that are good, no, not even one. The Bible tells us that all of our good works are like filthy rags in God's eyes. And so there is essentially no way that you can make yourself a new racial species. The only way that that can happen is when you believe in Jesus Christ and God the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and your dead human spirit is born again. 
Then you become a new species. What are you? Well, you are a member of God's royal family. So wherever you are this morning, if you happen to be listening to me, you and I, we are both members of the royal family of God because of our faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And now you and I have a new commission in our life. Think about this. Why did God leave us here? What's the objective? Why, why leave us behind? And 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We are personal representatives of Jesus Christ. And it goes on to say, As though God did beseech you by us. This is Paul writing again. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. So just as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, this is our same mission. We are to represent Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We are his ambassadors. That's why we are left here. Unfortunately, many of us get distracted. Many of us get discouraged. We justify why we shouldn't have to do that, that other things are important. And we wind up going down what I like to call the my way highway, rather than, rather than being satisfied with what God has ordained you and commissioned you to do. Because this new commission, being an ambassador for Jesus Christ, it demands that your sin nature be submitted to God's will and God's purpose for your life. Thus, now there's competition. Competition for control of your mentality. Competition for control of your volition. Competition for control of the borders of norms and standards so they won't work for you. It's the flesh competing against the spirit. You never had this competition before until you accepted Christ. And so Galatians 5.17 says the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. In other words, there's a battle raging in your soul as I speak. That battle involves the old sin nature who does not want to relinquish control of your life versus God the Holy Spirit who is there to control your life. And you must make the decision, who will you surrender to? Who will you submit to? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to control your life as the Bible tells you you should do? Or will you give in to the desires of the old sin nature and justify why you don't have to obey God? This commission is evident. Paul said it in Romans seven fifteen when he battled his own flesh Listen what he said about it. He said, The things which I do I allow not. For what would what I would do, that do I not. But what I hate, those are the things that I do. And you may feel that way yourself sometimes. You may look at your life and you say, Why did I do that? I know better. I know I shouldn't have done that. And the answer is because your sin nature, and remember God is aware that you have this sin nature. That's why he indwelt you with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13, to 
to overpower your sin nature so that you do not have to be slave to the sin nature any longer. You are free of the control of the sin nature if you will walk by means of the Holy Spirit. That's really up to you. But if you want to control your life by means of the Holy Spirit, then problem-solving device number one, or rebound, is very critical for you to remember. Remember problem-solving device number one, rebound, 1 John 1, 9, is our key verse. It says, if we confess our sin, then he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's not a moment of any day that we should not be scrubbing our souls that we should not be examining our own life. Because when you allow mental attitude sins to creep in, or sins of the tongue, or some overt sin, then what you're doing is you're quenching the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you quench the power of the Holy Spirit, he, the Bible says, is obviously grieved. And you, even though you are a Christian, even though you have believed in Jesus Christ, You are now justifying why it's okay for you to ignore the mandates of Scripture. So if you're going to listen to the mandates, if you're going to fulfill the mandates, you must learn to avoid self-justification. It's the main arrogant skill, and you must learn to think in a new way. Self-justification is the prominent skill of arrogance in any believer's life. And so here is how you change the way you think. It's possible. Romans 12, 1 through 3. I am asking you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is. Instead of thinking human viewpoint, you begin to think divine viewpoint, the renewing of your mind. For the purpose that you may prove what is good, what is acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think in terms of humility, as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Changing the way you think can only be accompanied in two ways. One, by means of the filling of the Holy Spirit, and that only comes through the rebound technique. And two, by the consistent intake and application of the Word of God into your life. That means that you listen to a well-qualified pastor teach you the Bible. It's, It's not a novel. I know you like to read the Bible, and that's wonderful, and God can help you. But there's more than you're seeing, and you need to be under a well-qualified pastor that can teach it to you, can help you see what you're missing. Scripture is layered, my friend. It's layered. And you can get the top layer off, and you may, I've done this myself. I've taught through a verse and went back and teach it again and see things I never saw. Scripture is layered, sometimes 10 layers deep. And that's why it's called a treasure. 
the thesaurus of the Greek New Testament is the word treasure. Thesaurus is the Greek word. The Word of God is a treasure. It's a word treasure. And so as we learn God's Word, then we change the way we think. We start thinking in terms of divine viewpoint rather than in terms of human viewpoint. There's a critical difference in these two because human viewpoint is what does the world say or what does the cosmos, the cosmos diabolicus say or what does the Bible say? So it can only be done under the filling of the Holy Spirit and the continuous intake of the Word of God in a daily basis. And listen, come on, let me be honest to you. I'm not talking about a daily bread type Bible study. I'm talking about an intense time of learning every day under that well-qualified pastor whose job is to study and teach you God's Word. Most people are not willing to do that. Most people would rather settle for a little quick five-minute devotion in the morning, and I appreciate their devotion to that, but that's not growing in grace. That's like a little shot of spiritual coffee as you go out the door, you know, to kind of get you pumped up for the day. But growing in grace involves learning. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, the Lord Jesus Christ said. You can't grow if you don't learn. And you can't learn if you don't know what the Bible says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, or workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Learning requires studying. Growth requires you advancing in the plan of God. As Second Peter 3.18 says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that's a critical verse for you. Grow, grow. How do I grow? <laughs> you got to be watered. And the only way that a plant can grow is to be watered with water. The only way you're going to grow is to be watered with the Word of God. Grow in grace, grace provisions. That's a unique problem-solving device called grace orientation. And you can't have grace orientation without biblical orientation, another problem-solving device. We have all of these problem-solving devices listed in our book, Christian Problem Solving, and it's absolutely free. Just like anything else on this show, we never charge, we never solicit money, we never sell anything. We believe if God's in it, he will pay for it. So if you want that book, then get on the website and write to us, and we'll get it out to you immediately, this week, next week. You must grow in grace and in the knowledge, there's the word, knowledge. And the key thing about knowledge is there's two Greek words for knowledge in the Bible. One of those words is pronounced gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. -S, and it's always translated into the English knowledge. But there's another word in the Bible translated in the English knowledge, but that's the Greek word epinosis. It has a preposition in front of it meaning full knowledge. There is a difference between knowledge and full knowledge. Here's what the difference is. One of them is to hear and understand. The other is to hear, understand, and apply application of the Word of God into your soul. That means that it comes into your stream of consciousness. You hear it. You understand it. And by faith, you believe it. 
and you cycle it into your heart where it becomes wisdom. Wisdom to replicate the life of Christ. Wisdom to represent him to your generation. Those verses are clear. 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My very own pastor has been teaching a series on the life of Christ, and we are now almost... uh, 1,400 hours into that series. That means he stood in the pulpit for 1,400 hours teaching on the life of Christ. I am developing knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's better than going to the Holy Land because I got it right there in front of me. And then 2 Timothy, by the way, you can get those same studies if you're interested. Write to me and I'll tell you how. But be prepared to get a pen and a piece of paper and a Bible and sit there and learn something. This is not a one-shot coffee shot. This is a full meal every time you put in a DVD or an MP3. So these mandates that I gave you, 2 Peter 3.18 and 2 Timothy 2.15, they both are part of the requirements for you to build a flat line in your soul. You can't have a flat line in your soul without doing this. So we have to learn to distinguish between sin, what is sin in our life, between wrongdoing, what is wrongdoing, and between evil. This, this is something that I want to discuss with you, maybe not in this show, maybe the next show, but I want to show you the difference between sin, wrongdoing, and evil. They are all three what you must stay out of because all three will sink your spiritual life for you. If there's anything that I want you to do, I do not want you to sink. I want you to keep sailing on as you glorify God wherever you may be and whatever you may be doing. And I want you to get under the authority of that qualified pastor who can teach you God's word. I'm not him. I'm a radio host but I can point the way to where he is. And if you have the guts, if you have the determination, if you're willing to grow and study and learn, I can sure tell you how to do it. Because that's been a habit in my life for almost 50 years when I discovered this. Listening to my pastor teach me the Word of God. Without that, I wouldn't be talking to you today, I assure you, because I wouldn't have anything to talk about. So I'm so glad you're listening. I'm so glad you're learning. I appreciate you tuning in. And I pray you'll come back next week, same time, same place. Until then, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. For listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.